Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Easy Conversations podcast, a podcast about having easy conversations. I'm your host, Furkan Dandia. I'm really excited about this week's episode as I sit down with Kurt Storing of Dad.Work. Kurt shares his story of struggling as a father early on in his fatherhood and almost contemplating how his children would be better off without him. Kurt then shares his journey of healing and having grace for himself as he embraced being a father. Kurt and I also discuss the value of our own healing as fathers, but also being open to feedback from our children. If at the end of the episode, if you could leave a five-star review, I would truly appreciate it. Well, Kurt, thanks for joining the Easy Conversations podcast. Uh, Super grateful for you to take the time and giving me the opportunity to have this conversation today. Uh, I'm really excited about the conversation we're going to have, so uh, looking forward to it. But before we get started, I want to give you an opportunity to talk about uh, what it is that you do, where you're based, uh, and maybe once we get into it, understand why is the work you do so passionate and and what got you to this state. So um, yeah, if you want to go ahead, Kurt, and, and fill us in. Yeah, yeah. Thank you for having me on, man. This is actually the first time I'm doing one of these on the other side of the mic. I uh, have a podcast, as you know, and I think I'm at episode 20 now. I've got another 10 episodes in the bank already. And this is just, it's fun to be on these because what I've learned is that having these conversations is actually one of the most like soul enriching things that I do. Um, so yeah, man, thank you for inviting me and thank you for having this space just for men to talk. Um, yeah, my name is Kurt and I run a project called Dad Work. And that is my attempt to bring men's work as I've experienced it to dads. Because what I noticed was that there's a lot of guys out there on Instagram and in the men's work community who are doing a lot of great things. But like, as you know, it's just different when you're a dad, you know, like there's more triggers. There are deeper things that you get into when it comes to like having your heart blown open with love. And Mm -hmm. it just brought up so much in me. And along my journey in the last eight or nine years as a parent, uh, I just... I found that I needed to do so much of my own work that I wasn't even sure where to begin. And so now that I feel I'm on the other side of that in many ways, and I will still be a student for life, now that I'm sort of in a place where I feel a deep calling in my heart to help other men get through what I went through, mm-hmm. I just thought like, now is the time for me to share what worked with me, the expert resources and the people I use to help me along my way. And so that we're, that's what we're doing now. I've mm-hmm. got a podcast, uh, an Instagram, we've got the website, um, we are launching men's groups, we're launching a community, like there's this whole sort of thing going on now around dad work where dads are just getting this place to like speak their truth and be seen and be heard and challenged and supported by other men. So that's sort of the idea um, about dad work and why I, I'm doing it. And like you said, we'll get into the sort of why eventually I'm sure. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm based just outside of Vancouver in Canada and was actually in Calgary uh, quite a lot over the last uh, 20 years, I guess, growing up, went to university there. So all over Canada, but right now outside of Vancouver. Cool. And, and how long has this project been going on, this dad work project that you're talking about? This is just a few months in the making, to be honest. I have had this inkling in my head for three or yeah, three years now. I remember mm-hmm. telling a friend about it on the ride to uh, the desert in Utah. We were going mountain biking and I said like, man, it would be so awesome if I could just bring this work to dads. But I wasn't in a place to do that. And through a huge series of crazy events in my life, uh, business changes, I just had this opportunity to either continue to punt it 
or go all in, which seems extremely risky to me. And yet here we are. So it's been a few months so far and uh, yeah, just building steam. No, that's awesome. And, and I think, you know, you touched on kind of the why in terms of, okay, well, as, as dads, it's so important for us to, to kind of do that work on ourselves because obviously we're role models for our children, right? Whether we have boys or girls. Uh, and I personally see that too with my son, like he's just like a sponge and he absorbs everything I say and do right and and mostly he absorbs the things i do because <laughs> i could say <laughs> something but if i don't back it up with my actions uh, and i was telling you earlier he'll call me out on it and it's so important to be role models for our children because we are pretty much the other than their teachers we are the adults that they're seeing all the time and they're picking up so much from us so what was it that really inspired you and it sounds like you've been a father like your kids are eight or nine uh, so why now and, and what was it that really inspired you to do this work? Yeah, yeah. I've got three boys. They're eight, six, and one. Uh, their birthdays are in January and February. So just about uh, nine, seven, and two. But I, um, man, I just struggled so bad when I was a new dad. Like I was a fairly young father. I think my oldest was born when I was 23 and I was just really hurting. And I didn't know that. Like I knew things felt wrong and I knew that like I wasn't doing well as a dad or a husband. And it just, I reacted in ways that were unacceptable. You know, I was angry a lot of the time. I was straight up mean and scary to my wife and my son. And no matter what I did, no matter how many times I said, like, I'm not going to do that again, it would keep coming up. And I just like couldn't stop myself. And so my second son is born. I hear this guy on a podcast mention that he meditates. I was like, mm, sounds weird, but he's saying like, you know, it's really helpful for him. And so I download the Headspace app. I give it, you know, the free 10 day trial or whatever. And then by the end of that 10th day, my oldest son did something that normally triggers me. And I caught myself before I like yelled at him. And I was like, oh man, there's something here. So from that point, I went like pretty much, it felt like a full-time job for me to unscrew myself. I really thought of it like that because in hindsight, I had a lot of unresolved trauma, mm -hmm. a lot of wounding from my own childhood, a lot of patterns of behavior that were just unexpressed. I had no community. I just felt alone, like extremely, extremely alone. And everything I did, I felt like I was ruining my kids. Mm -hmm. And like, as I'm sure you know, like that sort of idea in your head, thinking that like you love these children so much and you can't help but like you're screwing them up. You keep mm -hmm. doing stuff that you shouldn't do. It's just like, it, it tore my heart open. And I just went like, I got to figure this out. Mm -hmm. And so I did slowly, but surely, and, you know, there's a lot of bumps in the way. I remember we lived in Thailand for two years. We traveled quite a lot. Mm -hmm. And, you know, all my stuff came up because we were in an unfamiliar environment. So I thought I was doing all right. Turns out I wasn't. There's was a lot of unprocessed stuff. And I remember lying on the floor in our apartment. It was a concrete poured floor, pretty cold, but it was nice because it was hot outside. And I just remember like lying on it hitting it with my fist, crying, like just sobbing because I had screwed up so badly and I just didn't know what to do. Mm. So that was sort of like my dark night of the soul where I honestly thought that they would be better off without me. And like, I knew the stats. I knew how bad it was for kids to grow up without a father figure in their life. And I still believed 
that like, if I was out of the picture and for me, that didn't mean like leaving. Cause I couldn't deal with that. I, mm -hmm. I thought like I was having suicidal ideation here and I just thought like, man, something has to change. And so like, I, I still made a lot of mistakes from that point on though. It was like hundred percent in my mind. I got to figure this out. So meditation and breath work and journaling, joining men's group, all this kind of stuff. And like, it literally changed my life. And I don't know that the reason I love to tell this story is just because like, if you could feel what I felt, and I know the guys listening, a lot of them probably do because I talk to dads every day. It's not uncommon to feel like this at all, but I thought it was. And so like my story, I think is one of hope because if you feel like you are at the verge of, you know, suicide, doing something really stupid like that, there's hope. And so that's why I wanted to create this project and do this work and get this out to more dads, because I personally, like it saved my life. Like it literally saved my life. And I think just the guys I talk to, it can save other guys' lives too. And, and even if you're not like that, man, there is something to be said about connecting deeper with your kids after doing your own work. And so like that, that joy, that love in your heart that I couldn't access for years is so life-changing that like, I can't help but share it now. And so it excites me. It fires me up every day. And uh, yeah, that's, that's sort of why I got into this in the first place. Yeah. And, you know, I want to thank you for being so vulnerable and, and sharing that uh, story. I think it's important to, like you said, for other men to hear it because, and that's kind of the purpose of the work I do is to kind of make other people realize that, you know, they're not alone. Uh, we all struggle in similar ways. Uh, whatever's triggering us could be different, but we all kind of struggle in similar ways. And when you hear other people out there figuring it out or doing the work, it, it creates that community. And the work you're doing, the work I'm doing, you know, I'm hopeful we're making that change. And you know, I just want to thank you for sharing that story. And and again, you know, it's 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 inspiring when you see other people who take their journeys. And, and when they come to this point where they've learned and they want to help others through that same and help them navigate. So, you know, it sounds like that's the work you're doing. Um, and, and some of the things I wanted to touch on, I think it's also, you know, one of the things you mentioned was how important it is when we are able to do our own healing and then have those conversations with our kids, right? You know, I have that same type of, uh, mentality when it comes to my son, like, you know, he'll, and, and kids at that age are just absorbing so much. Right. Um, like if he sees me read a book, he'll be like, well, what's this book about? Um, what are you trying to learn? And I'll tell him, you know, and, and it's funny, like, um, just this past weekend, I was reading, uh, the four agreements and he's like, well, what is this about? And I'm like, well, you know, agreement number one is how you speak to yourself, right? What kind of words you use? And it's funny, I, the next day I was struggling with the TV and I was like, oh, you know, sometimes I just do stupid things. And he's like, dad, you just told me yesterday you're working on how you speak to yourself. So it's it's really cool when you actually see that when, when you're trying to help your children learn that and they can put that mirror in front of you, right? So I guess, do you have moments like that where you're like, for me, that was a... I thought it was a beautiful moment because I'm like, okay, you know, he's picking up on this stuff and he's calling me out. And the last thing I can do is like, let my ego get in the way and be like, Hey, shut up. In, in fact, what I was like, I gave him a hug and I told him how proud I am of him for mm. even having that awareness. Right. So, um, 
but yeah, I don't know if you've experienced things like that. Yeah, absolutely. And um, I just want to preface by saying, like, I'm obviously not perfect. And, you know, yeah. I, I'm learning as I go and I, I'm sharing my own struggles. I think like we talked about before, I got angry the other day and learned a big lesson there. Um, but this is actually like exactly what I see all the time with my kids. And I was just talking to um, Larry Hagner, the host of the Dad Edge on my podcast the other day. And he was giving me an example of like how to talk to your kids and engage with them such that they um, listen to you, but also don't just give you like the the good, fine, how is school? Yeah. I was fine. And he said like, yeah, they now ask me and they're like giving me the words that I use to them. And, and I get that too. Like just a small example is that before any screen time in my house, uh, the kids have to do a sort of nervous system reset circle. So they have to go into it being grounded. And what that looks like is we will sit and they'll either do Qigong or they'll breathe or like, we'll just sit together. It's just like, I'm not forcing them to do these big meditations or anything, but just like one minute of conscious awareness or breathing. And the little one, like he's not even two yet, he'll come over to us and he'll just like look and he'll grab our hand and he'll just, uh, so he does this like huge breath and he's already picking up this like nervous system hacks to stay calm, to stay grounded. So it starts like really young. And I didn't understand that at first either, by the way, I thought like, I can't wait till my kids are like 15 so I can play ball with them or whatever. And it turns out like the, it matters right away. So yeah, like they, are always watching and they are always listening. And we do things like um, at the table before meals, we'll go through and give gratitude. So the kids will start that off. If we miss it, for example, they'll be like, oh, hey, dad, what are you grateful for? And like, that's just so so good and the way that they speak to each other when they're repairing because like they'll fight like they're brothers you know they're eight and six whatever but the repair that comes along with it and sitting down and being like this is how you made me feel and just expressing that kind of stuff and forgiveness like yeah and this is a huge thing because i think a lot of dads get stuck in telling and expecting them to listen and then when they don't the dad gets triggered because you're out of control perhaps at least that's how I feel mm -hmm. and you're not being respected maybe and your ego flares up just like you were saying and you could yell and you could teach them a lesson the hard way and I've just found that like punishment or punitive measures like that are never the way to teach uh, not only because like it creates this bullying atmosphere with your kids, but also when their nervous systems are out of whack like that, they can't hear you. Like they will not be able to process what it is you're telling them. And so it's much better to show them. Um, one other thing on this point is that when my child does something, when my children do something that I would like to talk to them about, sometimes I'll say, when have you seen me do that? because I know that they are picking it up for me. And so sometimes it's obvious, like, oh, you were yelling the other day and it's like, okay, crap, like this is actually my fault. Yeah. <laughs> and sometimes when I ask them, it's like, when have you seen me do that? And it's not me, it's someone else. And then we get to dive in to like, who did they see do that? Where did they pick that up? What are they feeling when that's the sort of behavior that they're exhibiting? Um, so yeah, man, they are watching all the time. Yeah, and, and it's amazing that you bring that up because if we can show them humility and, you know, approach things without our ego, they're going to also learn that. Right. And, and it's so important to create that atmosphere of feedback because, and I remember growing up as a kid, like I wasn't allowed to even say anything to my parents or call them out. And, you know, and to your point, being punished is like, you have to understand, okay, is your child not doing something because out of fear or they're not doing it because they actually understand 
what you're talking to them about, right? Or whatever they're doing, is it out of fear or is it because they actually are able to process things? And, and that's why I also struggle with the punishment style because I feel like, you know, you're creating this hierarchy and I mean, there shouldn't be in a hierarchy, right? Where, I mean, we are parents. Yeah. I mean, at this, you know, there's times where I do have to discipline my son and, and kind of set boundaries, but for the most part, it's always a conversation and seeing if he's also understanding what we're talking about. Right. Um, so it's important, like you said, to have that kind of feedback loop where, you know, asking them, Hey, when did I do this? So you can actually no, because there's times we're not even aware we're doing things or saying things, right? So, exactly. yeah. Uh, the other thing you did touch on, and, you know, one of the things I wanted to explore with you is you mentioned that, you know, occasionally we do lose control or we do get angry with our children. And, and obviously anger, if not handled appropriately, can get out of control in terms of how we express that emotion. And I struggle with it too. Like there's times where, I'll say something or do something with my son. And after the fact, I feel bad. And one of the things I'm trying to work on myself is not to have that guilt uh, for myself, having that compassion and learning to do differently, but also being able to have that space for my son where I apologize to him. Um, yeah. So like maybe share a little bit about that experience. And if you don't mind, uh, telling the listeners what happened and and how were you able to deal with it after the fact? Yeah, for sure. Thank you. The um, the one thing that I like here as sort of a fundamental principle is repair. Mm -hmm. And so every time there's a rupture in the relationship, whether that's with a friend or your your partner or your kids, especially with the kids, I always make a point of repairing. And that sometimes looks like taking a break take five minutes, everyone cools down, you come back, and then you own whatever your part of the conflict was. And that teaches humility, it teaches the kids that they can also repair and apologize when they need to. And my repair and my apology is not to let the kids off the hook for the actions that they took, but is to simply show them that I'm ready to reconnect. Because there's nothing scarier than sitting alone with the trauma that you know, a scary parent can bring. Mm -hmm. And so that's just, you know, a, a very basic point to, you know, for all the, all the dads or the parents listening that you got to repair, like, it's so, it's so important. I was talking to a synergetic play therapist. Um, and I was going like, well, you know, what about trauma? Like, does it always have to be trauma if I screw up? And she said, if you go back and repair, then it doesn't really give trauma the chance to like form as a wound because the thing that actually causes the trauma in her opinion and again I'm not like a doctor or scientist or whatever but this is my understanding of it when the child gets to sit alone with that trauma that's where the hurt happens but if something happens and you repair and you're back there and they feel this connection this like secure attachment you can repair and there's no there's not often lasting consequences to that so in this situation this was sort of a, it came out of left field for me because I have not reacted in an angry way like this or, or a, a negative way like this during my anger in a mm -hmm. long time, because like, this was my biggest pain point. Mm -hmm. And so I was putting all three kids to bed. My wife was at a meeting that night and the baby was sort of screaming in my ears. I'm putting him to bed. And the two older boys are sort of getting at it in their bedroom and they're like out of bed in each other's rooms and each other's beds. And I'm like, guys, what's going on? And so usually without the baby in there, I would be able to, you know, physically 
step my body between them if they needed it, get down on a knee and be like, let's, you know, calm down. Let's take a breath. Let's get back into your room. I expect that you are sleeping right now. You know, the boundaries about being in your bed. If you're mm-hmm. not, the lights go out. You can't read for any longer. This time it was just like baby screaming. I couldn't get in there. I was feeling out of control. And like, I just started raising my voice and elevating my tone and like getting mean and scary. And this is what I saw happening. And I just like, couldn't stop because I was overwhelmed. I was like worried. I was scared. I was feeling fearful of being out of control. Mm -hmm. And that triggered a lot of stuff in me because if I'm not in control, then, you know, all of this old patterns and behaviors started coming up of like fear and I'm not going to be loved and all this stuff that had nothing to do with, you know, what was going on in the moment. Mm So I get loud and I yell. And like I said, I I scared the crap out of my oldest son and I left and, you know, had to put the baby to sleep because he was again, screaming in my ear during this whole time. And I didn't want him to see that. And so I put him to sleep, you know, 10 minutes later. And I just went back into my, my oldest son's room and was like, Hey man, I'm I'm sorry, that was unacceptable. Here's what I was feeling. Um, You know, you need to hold up your end of the bargain here by being in bed and not harassing your brother and all this kind of stuff. Here's my expectations. And the way that I reacted when I was angry was unacceptable. Mm -hmm. Because like I tell them all the time, like feel whatever you need to feel, but it's your responsibility to express that in a way that's not destructive. And and I, I was destructive, so I'm sorry. And I was just ready to like repair. I was, I was good. I was kind of like upset about my, about that. And we can definitely talk to talk about guilt. Um, but he didn't respond right away. And then like, I got, I got worried. I got scared because here I am like ready to go. Just going to, you know, come back in for the hug. And he's like, no man, like, I don't feel good about this mm-hmm. and would not really talk to me. So I sat with him and I'm sort of getting like worried now. Like, what if, what if I just ruin this relationship? Mm-hmm. And the relationship with my oldest has been the hardest for me to, to build because he triggered the crap out of me my entire life until Mm -hmm. like I I sorted my, my stuff out. And so I'm like, Oh no, like I worked so hard to build this. He's not letting me back in all I want. Like my heart yearns for this connection and I might not get it. Like Mm -hmm. that's devastating. And I can only imagine how that plays out in intimate relationships. If you know, you love someone and they can't reciprocate. But in this case, I was like, Oh my goodness, this is, this is it. I've mm-hmm. totally ruined it. And this fear overwhelmed me. And so like, I sat with it and I sat with him, talked to him a little bit more. And I just asked him like, could you at least tell me what's feeling in your body? Mm-hmm. And to his credit, he's like, rage, <laughs> just like full on rage. I am so angry at you. And I'm so angry at this. So we sat together and like, I, I tried to give him some, some body movements and some, you know, just grounding things to do. And he wasn't ready. So I, I had to leave. Mm-hmm. And man, just that like fear that I had screwed it all up was overwhelming and immense. And eventually my wife was done her meeting. She came up, you know, tucked him in and he asked for me and, you know, he apologized for his part and we reconnected and like, Ooh, man, that felt so good. Yeah. (laughs) But, but this lesson that I learned was like one, obviously like, don't do this again. This really hurt hurts Mm -hmm. Two, I finally connected with him. And that like, that level of understanding that I was able to finally connect with him after years of having this be the hardest thing. And like, sometimes even today, I'm like, are we really connected? Mm -hmm. But this finally proved to me like, no, I am connected to him. I want his love so badly. I want him to feel my full love. Like I want this man Mm -hmm. and not getting that was just like really gut punch. So I'm I'm grateful for it because I was able to resolve it in like an hour instead of a month as I might've done a few weeks, a few years ago. Um, and there's lessons to be learned, but man, it just like, 
it hurt. And that was a great reminder of just the damage that can be done from not having your shit together. Absolutely. Yeah, no, that's the important point. And, And another thing, like just from that story, you know, and I've experienced that with my son too, is just like any of our relationships, whether it's with our friends or family members, or even our partners, you know, if we, if there's any fracture in the relationship, whether it was conflict or one of us lost her cool, we have to realize that even our children need their own time and space. And what the thing I used to struggle with was like, you know, if I messed up something with my son and I'm like, Hey, I'm apologizing to you right now. Forgive me. I'm like, okay, now I'm trying to control this situation again. Not only did I cause damage, but now I'm trying to control and how it gets repaired when it gets repaired. Cause my own anxiety or anxious attachment is kicking in and it's trying to dictate his process. And it's, it's been great where now it's like, you know, again, just treating them like an adult and putting a timeline to it. It's like, okay, can we talk about this in an hour? And he'll be like, nope, four hours. And we'll try to negotiate a timeline that works for both of us. But it's been amazing to see that because just like any other adult or human, he also needs his own time to process it. And in your case, you know, fortunately it was an hour and he called out for you and and you guys were able to repair it, but we have to be as parents or even dads be comfortable that, you know, it could take some time and we need to be okay with that. We need to give them that space to feel their own emotions, just like we need our own time. And, you know, I just kind of wanted to share that as well. Yeah, that's a great point. And that's one of the things um, I have based my parenting style on, if you will. Uh, before I had sort of done the work to find a place of sort of calm, confident leadership in my family, I really leaned on the style of parenting called RIE or RIE. Um, there's a woman named Janet Lansbury who blogs about it right now. And she basically gave me like the tools I needed to just get through the days while I was doing my healing work. So I'm very grateful to her. But some of it, the the basic sort of tenets of it were that you have to respect your child like the full autonomous being that he or she is. Mm-hmm. And that, man, that point that you made about just like giving them their space rather than like trying to control it. I feel that so much, especially in that situation. I was like, come on, man, I'm here. I'm here. I'm here. And I didn't want to lose it. Yeah. And it's like, no, he needs his space just as I need mine when I am triggered like that. And especially when I'm the one scaring him and he's like really feeling activated just having that general idea and the principle in your parenting that your child is his or her own person. He or she will live their own life. And at the end of the day, you have to surrender to the fact that they will just be who they are. Mm -hmm. And if you can give them tools and if you can love them, and if you can give them that scaffolding upon which to build their own life, that is a gift, but controlling the outcome of where they go with that out of your hands. So I love Mm -hmm. that you gave that reminder, man. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I guess, uh, for, for listeners, myself included, I'm not really familiar with this RIE acronym that you mentioned. Do you mind uh, expanding on it a little bit just for everyone's awareness? Yeah, so I think it stands for um, uh, Resources for Infant Educarers. It's a bit of a weird name. Um, I think the uh, founder is named Magda Gerbert. And the, again, JanetLansbury.com is uh, the best resource. It's like, it saved my bacon so many times. I originally Googled, uh, you know, how to get a three-year-old just to stop hitting because we were dealing with that. And Mm -hmm. I came across this and it wasn't about 
control. It wasn't about like being stronger. It was about validating emotions. And that's the first time that I ever heard about like reflecting back to someone and mirroring and being empathetic. And it was like, oh, wow. And so we tried it and I was like, oh, there's no way this is going to work because it's so like, it's so soft. Mm-hmm. Yet when I'm like, I see you want to hit me right now. I'm not going to let you hit. You're very mad at me right now. You're feeling really angry. Oh, I see that must be hard for you. And you're mirroring what they're feeling. And so in one of these, um, one of the quotes I like is, you know, name it to tame it or feel it to heal it. There are these sort of like, you know, pop references that you're sort of simplifying psychology in many ways. But uh, when a child or a person is reflected back what they feel, there's something about it in the brain that just like lowers the level of the intensity of the feeling. And then just like holding the space, creating boundaries, not trying to control, just this empathetic way of speaking to a child, especially when they're triggered like that, it changed like literally everything. So yeah, if, if you don't have like a parenting style per se, or if you're you're struggling with how to talk to your kids, I highly recommend it, Janet Lansbury. She's got a book that's called No Bad Kids. Uh, I recommend that for sort of an overview and man it just like it did so so much for us in the early years of parenting no thanks for sharing that and uh, you know i'll check that out as well um i guess the last piece i wanted to explore and, and you know we've touched on it a few times is really when we do lose control or we have an outburst or we say something um that we're not really proud of as as parents or fathers uh and then that guilt and shame we carry um, and, you know, like I said per- earlier too, personally, I've really worked hard on, you know, like just not being guilty about it, but because I feel like the guilt and the shame takes away from the energy you could be spending on uh, teaching yourself to do better. Um, but what are your thoughts on that? You know, like, especially with the recent example you shared, but overall, like even looking back through your journey as a father how have you been able to navigate through that guilt and not let it hold you back, but rather, you know, take those lessons and fuel your own growth? Yeah, that is a uh, huge topics. And I have thought a lot about shame in particular, because um, I found through a book, actually, I give another reference just because this helped me so much. It's called mm-hmm. healing the shame that binds you by John Bradshaw. This is like, has been fundamental on my journey of healing and really made me understand all of the, things that I was feeling could almost all be brought back to toxic shame, this idea that I am bad, that I'm not good enough, that there's something wrong inherently fundamentally with me. And this is important for parents to understand, not only for your doing your own work, which is like, side note, you know, the best way to become a better parent is to do your own work, uh, your own inner healing work, um, but for your kids too, because it helps to understand the things that we can do and say that might cause this for them. So for me, I had to do a lot of, you know, self-healing work myself to understand that I wasn't actually bad, that I was lovable. And that's where it started. Like I had to understand that for myself, because if I messed up, like you're saying, I would go into like the basically a shame spiral where I was the worst. I screwed Mm -hmm. up so badly and I deserve to be punished and I cannot accept kindness. And so like if I think back to it, the first step is like coming to terms with all of that and accepting it and sitting with that and moving through it rather than that's almost like a self-pity party. Cause like I almost liked feeling that because I felt Mm -hmm. as though I deserved it. And that's really messed up. 
And, you know, there's a lot of work that went into to, to healing that, but doing things like meditative practices and journaling and inner child work and breath work and therapy and counseling, men's work, all of this stuff can come together to help you get a better understanding of your childhood wounds and why you might be feeling this way to start. And once you have that foundational sort of like knowledge or, or even body nervous system understanding, it becomes less of an issue when you're actually parenting and doing these things. Mm-hmm. And I think guilt and shame are actually important. I think that a healthy dose of them are important because they motivate us to do better. And so we're not looking to like get out of it because they're good goalposts. They're good guardrails for what we're doing. If we didn't feel any of those things, I think, you know, we, I don't know, I don't know what the term is, maybe sociopathic or something like that, but like you, you wouldn't know what's right and what's wrong. And so like in this recent situation, I didn't feel that bad in terms of like, oh, I'm bad or, oh, I really screwed up this time because I'd gone through it enough. Mm-hmm. Like I knew, and, and maybe that's the lesson here is that I see my oldest son who I thought I had screwed up beyond all measure. Like mm-hmm. I was devastated that he was acting out and I was like, it's because of me. The flip side of that is like, he is so like mature and smart and loving and friendly. And he's a leader in his classroom. Like he's all of these things now. And like, am I going to take full responsibility for all those things now? Like I kind of want to, (laughs) but like, but that's not, that's not me either. So like I am a part of both the negative things that he had going on in his life. And I take some responsibility, but I'm also now seeing that I can be the positive in his life while not taking full responsibility. So you have to give yourself some credit as a parent and also realize that like your kid's resilient. Like he's Mm -hmm. a human being. Like I think about him like me, like I think about myself. I go like, I did not have parents who talked to me like this. I didn't know anything about these tools, this self-help and like, I hurt for a while, but I figured it out. And I am so grateful for who I was and who I am today that like, I'm not, there's nothing I can do to this kid. That's going to like stop him from being a human and -hmm. wanting to feel good and wanting to heal it. Even if I did screw him up so, so, so bad, like he can continue to grow and do all these things. And like, there is absolutely nothing that I can do because I have an intent to like love him, even though I might not be good at it. So learning that and learning that like, yeah, it's my fault to some degree, but also the good is my fault too. And, and to just like frame that in this container of maybe only like half of all of the things that are in his life are my fault. Cause he is again, his own human. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, like, again, there's, su- there's, there's a lot deeper, I think like academic talk about guilt and shame. And you can look for that in the book um, that I recommended before by Bradshaw. Um, but yeah, just the way that I look at it now, it's like, I'm doing my best. You know, like if I could have done anything differently then I would have, mm-hmm. I've never had an eight, six and one year old. I've never done this with, you know, yeah. today they're older one by one day and I've never done it before. So like yeah. cut yourself some slack. This is hard. Being a dad is so hard. And like, that's a mental reframe that I try and teach the guys that are go through my course. It's like, do you realize how hard this is? And the fact that you've never got training, like, of course you're going to make mistakes. It's yeah. so hard obvious. And yet like my perfectionism streak was like, gotta be perfect. Otherwise you're a loser. And so I don't, yeah, I'm not sure if that like really gets to the heart of what we're talking about here, but that's sort of what's coming up for me now is yeah. uh, Yeah. It's hard and you're not going to do your, you're not going to be perfect, but you can get there. 
Yeah, no, it, absolutely. It, 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 I mean, all of it makes sense. And, you know, I mean, none of our kids come with instruction manuals, right? It's not like, oh, do a step A, B and C and you'll be fine. Like you have to figure it out. And, you know, I myself went through that journey. I felt a lot of guilt at times for even going through a divorce and like breaking apart my son's family. And I was like, oh, that's going to screw him up. And, you know, like this and that. And it, I really had to come to terms with like, to your point, I am doing my best, right? And I am building a strong foundation for him. I'm building a strong relationship for him. But ultimately, he's going to have to go through his own journey like we all do, right? Like I was raised a certain way. And like you said, I had to go through my own journey and do my own healing. And, you know, even if I tried to do everything perfectly, there's still going to be something that he's going to grow up with that's going to be his trigger. And he's going to have to do his own healing. What I can do is, lay the groundwork for him or build that relationship with him where he's able to come to me for resources and help but I can't prevent or guide or decide what his journey is going to be like and there's some sort of liberation that comes with it when you know you're doing your best and whatever's going to happen is ha going to happen all you can do is be there for your child when he grows up or she grows up and they need you but ultimately, like every human on this planet, we all go through our own individual, unique journeys. So, you know, and that's kind of, I think you basically said the exact same thing. And, and I feel the same way about it. Yeah, there's, um, that brings to mind, just real quick, uh, Dan Siegel, Dr. Dan Siegel has written a lot of books on parenting, one of them is the power of showing up. And so what I'm trying to do now is, is get that secure attachment that he talks about with my children, where he suggests that a parent should be like a safe harbor, and a launch pad. And so in their life, when they need to come back for support, they know that you are the trusted person that makes them feel safe, seen, soothed, and supported and seen, you know, whatever all the four S's that he talks about, but also you ought to almost let them go in a sense so that they feel so securely attached that when they launch from your launch pad and go out into the world and live their own life, they still know that you love them, even though they might be blasted off into their own you know, world. And so I think that what you're touching on there just brings that to mind is be a safe harbor and a launch pad in one. And I think that's the name of the game for what I'm trying to do in parenting. Yeah, absolutely. And one of the other things I, you know, I was reading recently, it's like, you know, as adults, we kind of lose our sense of like freedom and imagination because we're like so caught up in the world we live in and the, and the lives we're living or the professions we're in and our box gets smaller and smaller. And we try to force that box on our children. And one of the things I recently realized is like, I want my son to be a child. Like, I don't want to force his, his view of the world. Like, let him be a child, let him imagine things, let him, you know, like have that creativity, whatever he wants to do. Um, and I find like, sometimes I struggle with that because I'm like, oh, you need to behave a certain way. But at the same time, I want him to live his childhood. I want him to do things that little boys do and, and, get in trouble sometimes and learn from that because again it's back to letting them you know explore their own world and have their own journeys and I think you know to your point having that secure attachment is so important because it allows us to let go as well mm, absolutely yeah the um, thing that I've been learning recently just like I've had a lot of conversations with men dads who have uh, teenagers of uh, you know, male teenagers. And what I'm hearing more frequently is that what boys need to thrive is challenge. 
And that's so hard because I want to control. I hate when they get hurt, like all Mm -hmm. these things. I just want them to feel safe. And like, I I never want anything bad to happen to them. And like you said, sometimes they got to be kids. Like they got to fail. They absolutely have to fail. That is one thing in my life that I wish that I did more of is fail. Because when it finally came, I had a big uh, failure earlier this year that has actually been like a turning point in my life, but I felt really bad at the time. Like it really destroyed me. Mm -hmm. And so now I'm like searching for ways to get them doing hard stuff so that they can fail, build resiliency. And then like, I can be alongside them when they do that. But yeah, they need challenge. They need failure. They need space to just like go do stuff. And I don't want to be the one holding them back. Yeah, yeah, no, it's so important. And I was kind of the same. I was raised you know, my parents tried to keep me in bubble wrap. And then when I become an adult and I started making mistakes, I didn't know how to deal with it because I never had that practice of failing. I was always protected. And it's so important to kind of give that freedom to your children. Um, And, and, you know, I'm I'm glad you brought that up too. And, you know, uh, Kurt, I've really enjoyed this conversation. Thank you for sharing, you know, a couple of examples that, uh, you know, it must be hard talking about, but it's kind of the work you're doing. So, you know, I, I wanted to, again, thank you for that vulnerability, but I guess for people um, that want to find you on whether it's social media or online or want to understand the program you're uh, putting out there a bit better, what are some ways people can find you and get a hold of you? Yeah, thanks, man. This has been a lot of fun. I love chatting about dad stuff, especially with other dads. So I was pumped to learn that you had a son. And uh, if you're interested in learning more about this kind of stuff, I have a website. The URL is dad.work. It's just like .com, but instead it's .work. So D-A-D.W-O-R-K. We've got a podcast that comes out three times a week uh, on Instagram is dadwork.kurt. And uh, you can sign up for our email list. We have a free 14-day um, email series on Better Man, Better Dad. That's what it is called. And yeah, we've got men's groups coming up. We've got a free Facebook community. Um, there's lots of stuff happening. So Instagram, email list, and um, the website's probably the best place for people to, to follow. And that's awesome. And, and for the men's group, are you doing virtual, in-person? What, what's kind of the, the setup there? Yeah, so we're about to launch an eight-week container uh, virtually. Uh, mostly just because where I am, we still got a bunch of restrictions, uh, among other things. But uh, yeah, we're doing probably be Thursday nights for eight weeks. And we'll be doing more of these over the coming year. And uh, like I said, at the beginning, I think we're going to transition that into like a monthly mastermind for fathers, um, just because that stuff is like, changed my life joining community with other men being seen heard Whew, there's like it's like rocket fuel for men's work man so uh yeah that's that's all the kind of stuff we've got going on and uh, even just follow me on instagram and say hey i'd love that cool no thanks again kurt appreciate you coming on here and and doing this with me yeah man thank you for the work you do this is fantastic thank you for tuning in to another episode as always please subscribe to the podcast if you enjoy the episodes or leave a comment in the comment section. I always love hearing from you. Thank you again, and until next week.